Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's Message of the Week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. Good morning, everybody. How are we? If you've had any um, standout moments or key life lessons that have come up in this series, bits that have really jumped out to you. Why don't you put them in the chat box now if you're on Zoom, uh, if you're on YouTube too, pop them in the chat there and uh, I'll read them out in a moment. Be great to hear some of the things that have stood out and really helped people as we've gone through. We've journeyed through this letter that James has sent uh, to the early church and we have read all about um, how he recommends they deal with the difficulties of life. Uh, difficulties in the church, difficulties outside the church affecting them. Uh, We've read about uh, his advice to people who are suffering and facing trials. We've talked about the need for endurance and how we might do that. We've seen again and again how following Jesus requires action in our lives. Uh, We've seen how the grace that we receive from God affects our relating to other people Uh, in a very powerful way in this letter. And we've also seen, I think, very clearly again and again how we can trust God and his purposes and therefore the call is to submit to him in that. And so there's a few things just coming through uh, in the chat box too where other people have found super helpful on this journey through uh, the triumph through difficulty, the power of words. Yes, excellent. Yes, I love Ben Hansen's Apple Trees Grow Apples. That stuck with me as well. The right kind of wisdom. Thank you. Uh, Yes, Mark, don't just bless your brother without taking action to meet his need. Absolutely. It's a a provoking truth uh, in the times that we live in. And uh, what we're going to do this morning is just read the last handful of verses that are left in this letter. So if you've got your Bible to hand, why don't you open up? to James chapter 5 and we will read some verses together. So we're reading James 5 from verse 13 through to verse 20. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. It feels like a slightly meandering end to a letter. 
that's how I, how I feel about it. I wouldn't recommend you ever finish a letter like that. If you're preaching at Hope Church and you finish in that kind of way, I'll probably critique you on it afterwards. Uh, if you're doing reports for work or school, that, that is not how you end anything. But it's how James ends this letter. Uh, and, and although it is slightly meandering, I want to suggest to us this morning that it is held together by this question. How are you? I think these verses are held together with this question. How are you? You know, verse 13, he says you might be troubled or happy. And we'll come back to that verse. It's where we're going to spend most of our time. He goes on. He says, are you sick? Verse 16, he says, do you need to confess? Do you need to apologize to someone or to some others? Verse 19, he's essentially asking, are you wandering away from the truth intentionally or not? How are you? How are you? That's the question James is asking here. It's a question I'm asking you. How are you? John Calvin, famous reformer, church leader, um, hero of the faith in history, he says this about these words. James means there is no time in which God does not invite us to himself. I say that again because I think it's life changing. James means that there is no time in which God does not invite us to himself. In other words, it doesn't matter what your experience of life is in this moment. The place to go with it is to God. Anyone got troubles? They should pray. Anyone happy? They should sing songs of praise. And it's clear reading his letter, they had troubles. They had all kinds of troubles. We've seen that over the past 10 weeks. Troubles of many kinds. Then he asks, are you happy? Are you in good cheer? Are you encouraged? Are you buoyant in heart? Uh, and note, this is actually James asking about our experience of life rather than our external situation. Yeah, so he is not asking, is everything going well for you or not? He's asking, how do you feel? Because we all know it's possible to have a life that externally looks amazing. Anybody looking in would say that you've got no troubles, you've got it made. But that's not how your heart feels. Life can look rosy, yet your heart can be troubled. Equally, we all know it's possible to have the odds stacked against you, uh, for everything to be challenging, and yet, for some reason, to be encouraged and joyful in heart. Maybe you've experienced one or both of those uh, options. This isn't, is the world treating you well? James is asking, how are you experiencing it? How are you feeling? How are you? He's saying, whatever your experience of life is, the place to go with it is to God. Did you know that God is never overwhelmed by your doubts? Did you know that God is never offended by our disappointment or hurts? Did you know that the Father is never disappointed in us? Did you know that he is not cold or distracted? 
Did you know that his arms are always wide? His heart is always warm and open. His invitation is always come. You want to know about God this morning? It's important you get it right. And we've mentioned a number of times through this series, one story where this stands out perhaps more than any other story Jesus told about a son who insults and brings shame on his family, who leaves, who goes off and squanders his inheritance, who has a moment of realisation while he's doing the dirtiest of the lowest of the low jobs. And he decides to head home to see if his father will have mercy on him. And the son walks along the road. He would have stunk. He would have been dirty. He would have been shabby. The people around his family would have hated him for what he did to them. But as he comes, the father sees him because he was looking for him. And not only does the father see him, but the father's heart is filled with compassion for him. The father runs to him. He throws his arms around him and he kisses him. The father's heart is full of joy when his children come to him. His invitation is always to come. I think it's easy for us to get confused about that. It's easy for us to think that we only get to come based on merit, based on our record, based on what we've been like whether we did it yesterday or not. And yet here James wants us to know that no matter our experience of life, there is no time where God's invitation to us is not to come to him. But I'm not sure that that is the most important news for us today here in this passage. Uh, it's very important that we can go to God whatever our experience of life. And I hope that I've just reinforced that and made that very clear. But I think the most important news for us today here in this passage is that there are different ways to come to God, depending on how you are in heart. This is life changing. There's not one set of religious formula that you have to work through, no matter how you're feeling. James says, however you're feeling, come to God. But he differentiates. He says, if you've got troubles, pray. He says, if you're buoyant in heart, if you're happy, then sing songs of praise. There are different ways to come to God, depending on how you are. Perhaps the bigger challenge for you and I today is this. Do you know how you are actually doing? Do you have troubles? Are you weary or, or weak? Are you happy, buoyant, grateful? What are your troubles? Why are you happy? Friends, here's the truth, the bottom line. If I don't know how I am, how can I go to God to get help or to sing praise? If I don't know how I am, I've got a real problem. And I'll personally... This has probably been my biggest leadership lesson in my decade in Harrogate. There have been a lot of lessons in my decade in Harrogate, but I think knowing how I truly am, knowing my emotional health has been one of the biggest. We've talked about it a number of times through history uh, in our preaching series and other events in the life of Hope Church. It has been an enormous leadership lesson for all of us. 
Friends, if I don't know how I'm doing emotionally, then my relationship with God will always be mediocre. If I'm not emotionally healthy, my relationship with God will not be healthy. For me, when I'm not emotionally healthy, when I don't know how I am, I will always tend towards doing things for God rather than being with God. But that's how it affects me. Maybe it's the same for you. Maybe you just run away entirely from God when you don't know how you're doing. I don't know. For me, naturally, I was not a particularly emotionally intelligent man. And for some of you, that's not news in the slightest. But I've got good news. I am learning. And what I'm learning is this. If I ignore my troubles, if I ignore my disappointments, my hurts, my fears, my sadness, instead of praying to God, as James advises us here, then those feelings, they don't go away. They just hide. And then they leak out and affect everything else. They leak out over everyone else at inopportune moments and we've all experienced this we've not really dealt with how we're feeling at something in one situation so we explode in another if we don't acknowledge our emotions if we don't acknowledge what's going on inside of us we're essentially hiding it and it will push its way back into the center and it will affect other things if i self-medicate to avoid confronting the reality of my low moments and troubles, which for me would tend to be either sugar. Um, thank you for the amens around the room. But perhaps uh, a drink of alcohol in the evening just to calm down. Mindless phone scrolling. That's a good self-medication tactic I've fallen into many times in my life. Uh, or, or keeping so busy that I can't stop to find out how I actually am. Those are my self-medication strategies. I wonder what yours are. If, if I self-medicate and I don't confront the reality of my low moments, then I am not just ignoring the down moments. I've realized that I'm also preventing myself from ever truly being of good cheer, of ever truly being joyful as well. And that's what medical intervention does. If you take antidepressants, it lifts you but it also squashes you and you live in this middle band some of us have experienced that and hey when we're suffering from mental health uh, issues medication is a wonderful tool and a very helpful thing we also self-medicate in our lives and it has the same impact we ignore the bottom but it means we lose the top and friends if i'm ignoring my troubles instead of praying to god and I'm preventing myself from genuinely being of good cheer. And so I don't genuinely sing songs of praise from my heart to God. Then I'm not truly relating to the God who's invited me to relate to him and find the fullness of life. That's why this is so important. If I do those things, what I'm doing is I'm living an impoverished, anemic, beige version of life. If I ignore my troubles and self-medicate so I can't experience joy, what I've done is I've erected a mask that I go to God through and I approach the world through. And that's a dangerous place to be because the Father wants me 
and not my mask. There is no time in which God does not invite me to himself. There is no time in which God does not invite you to himself. There is no condition of heart. There is no season of life. There is no muddle of emotion, no highs of joy and delight, no depths of sorrow and despair that God does not want us to bring to him. So let me ask you again, how are you? Don't be scared. God is able to deal with however you're feeling. More than that, he wants to be with you in it. Which is a fairly life-changing truth. Attempting to fake it till we make it with God is a dangerous strategy. The incredible good news of the Christian message is that we're not alone and we don't have to do it alone. The Father is not interested in our pretense. He's not interested in our performance, first of all. He's interested in us. Did you know that the living God is interested in you? The living God can't resist you when you come. His heart fills with compassion and he runs and he throws his arms around you and he kisses you. Personally, it's a little bit embarrassing to say, but over the last seven years, I've had to learn to find out how I was emotionally. I just didn't know how to find out. I did not have a natural handle on it. And if you've almost stopped listening to me this morning because you are a thinker, not a feeler, then listen up because this bit's for you. I am naturally a thinker, naturally analytical, academic, logical, rational, fairly stable and level kind of guy, but do you know what? I still have emotions. And although God cares what I think about him and what I know about him, and both of those things are very important, the Father cares more that I am with him. And that requires emotional engagement. How are you? Do you have troubles? Pray. Are you happy? Sing songs of praise to God. Got something on your mind because you know you need to apologise and confess? Go and do it. <laughs> and then pray with them. Are you weary and weak? Which is actually really what sick is getting at here. That's why the elders have to go to them. And get people to pray for you. The Lord brings strength. The Lord raises us up. He also heals, I believe, passionately in it. I've got my pot of oil. I happily can pray for you anytime. But let's not miss that it's not just a magic formula for healing. If we're weary and weak, what are you going to do? Call some people to come pray for you. That's James's advice. Here's three tools as we come into land that I have had to learn in order to work out how I am. Are you ready? If you're emotionally intelligent, this will be um, me teaching you to suck eggs. Is that, is that the phrase? I don't know. It will seem very basic to you if you're emotionally intelligent, but if you're like me, 
this will rock your world. Number one, how to find out how you truly are. You have to stop. You have to feel and you have to ask why. Now, my problem was I never stopped. And I was scared of feeling. And it was a little bit unsettling to ask why I felt what I felt. Ever experienced any of those emotions? Can I have some nods on the screen, please? Don't leave me hanging. Why do my thoughts keep flicking back to that exchange with that person? Why am I tense? What is it that I feel like I'm holding back and if I stop holding it, it will wash over me like a flood? Why do I feel so excitable today? Why is there a spring in my step? We've got to ask why when we've taken the time to pause and to feel how we actually feel. You know, our biggest problem, and maybe COVID's helped us with this to some degree, that's why so many people are making such significant life changes in this time is modern culture until COVID encouraged us to get so busy and to keep going that we would never stop, that we would never be still long enough to feel how we are actually doing. The most popular book of the year, 2019, 2020, across there uh, in the people I spoke to was a book by a guy called John Mark Comer called The, Ruth the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He called it a modern plague. The relentless pressure to hurry through life that robs us of actually living life. The first tool that I learned to understand my own emotional health was that I had to stop and I have to feel and I have to ask why. And I got some surprising answers to why I was feeling some of the emotions and some of the things I was feeling. Even this morning, after some stuff that happened recently, I sat with God, I read my Bible, I prayed, and I got my, got my book out, my little notebook, and I had to write down, I am feeling these emotions. And this is why. The more I stop, the more I feel, the more I ask why I'm feeling what I'm feeling, the more I learn my patterns of emotion, the more I learn about what things affect me more than I realize or allow myself to admit. the more I see the impact of the moments of pain and disappointment or of joy, how I just push to one side, either in my need to get something else done or my fear of acknowledging it. But if God's not intimidated by how I'm feeling, why should I be? My God is able to help. Have I got troubles? Pray. Am I cheerful? Sing songs of praise. Second thing I did is I deliberately put myself around pastorally gifted people whenever I got the chance. So you've probably heard that it's good to get yourself around prophetically gifted people if you're trying to discern what to do in life. That's absolutely true. Uh, over a period of years, I deliberately put myself in the way of pastorally gifted people. Do you know how to spot a pastorally gifted person? They're not the ones that spend all their time caring for people. Sometimes those are the people who actually need to stop and feel and ask why they're doing it. But that's a topic for another day. No, pastorally gifted people are the kind of people who ask 
how are you? And you can't help but honestly answer. I realized that the only time I really found out how I was doing was when certain people asked me how I was and I searched inside to find out and gave them the answer. Anybody else ever known that phenomenon in their life? You can you could probably name, don't do it, don't put it in the, in the chat because they'll be inundated after this message, but you know in your mind's eye, there are people that if they ask you, how are you? You just can't help but answer. That's the pastoral gift. Uh, you, know, you want to reciprocate the love they're showing to you. And so you actually do look at how you are and you allow yourself to begin to pour out the answer. And for many years, they were the only moments I discovered how I actually was. And sometimes that wasn't very pretty. <laughs> sometimes it was a very inopportune moment to be going there. And what I've done is I've learned to notice where that answer comes from when I can't help but respond to that question. I've learned to then feel in that place without being asked by someone who cares. So that I don't need that pastorally gifted person to ask me. I can ask myself because you know what? I care about how I feel. And so I can ask myself. God cares about how I feel so I can go there in conversation with him. But I had to learn whereabouts inside me <laughs> I found the answer to that question. Do you know how to work out how you feel? If you don't, put yourself around pastorally gifted people and notice where the answer comes from. Third thing, and then I'll come into land, is I remind myself of this simple truth. My biggest danger is not that in my emotion, I approach God wrong. My biggest danger is that by ignoring my emotion, I don't approach God. My biggest danger is not that I do it wrong and I get smited. My biggest danger is that I ignore it, but because I'm ignoring it, I don't think I can go to him. Uh, it's a big battle for me, I think. I had the picture of God all wrong. You know, the, the reverence is key. You know, we, we should be reverent of God. He is the living God, creator of all things, sustainer of all things, holds the world in the palm of his hand, etc., etc. Yes, we, we come humbly. But he doesn't have eggshells littered around the throne room. Because of Jesus, we can confidently approach the throne of grace and find help in our hour of need. God is not going to reject me when I come to him because I'm doing it wrong or because I'm too raw in my emotions. He's not going to say to me, how dare you talk to me like that, Adam? <laughs> and James's point about Elijah is worth drawing on here for a moment, right? I really like this point. Elijah is a human being just like us, so we can pray for it not to rain for three and a half years. Liz, are you listening? That one's for you. But then think for a moment about the prayers that you know that Elijah prayed. Because I don't know too many great prayers of faith that the Bible records of Elijah praying. But I do know that when he hit his low moments, he prayed to die. 
And what was God's response? Did he tell him off? No. The example of Elijah is powerful because in his troubles, he prayed. And yeah, like part of me, my, you know, my teaching gift wants me to say to him, no, Elijah, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you should be building yourself up in the Lord, not focusing on your problems. You should be looking at how great God is. Tell your problems how great your God is, not God how great your problems are. Come on, Elijah, have you never heard this stuff? Now, part of me wants to do this to him, but Elijah's the one that James points to as my example. And Elijah, in his down moment, says, God, I want to die. I'm no better than anyone else. Take me now. Elijah, our example that James wants to draw our eyes to. Job 2, if you remember the last passage that he's just come off the back of that Dan pointed us to last week. They have trouble and they tell God about it. Because God cares. Because God doesn't need us to pretend. Because God's love for us means that he wants us to be with him. And until we've got that key piece in place, we've missed it. Jesus came to bring us to the Father. His final prayer for the believers in the future was, I want to bring them to where I am, which is with the Father. His death was not just an act of atoning sacrifice to forgive our sins. It was so that something else could happen so that we could come to the Father. How are you? This is one of those moments where Zoom is awful because I have no idea what's going on in the room. I might not have been naturally emotionally intelligent, but I could pick the emotion of a room. I'm yet to receive the spiritual gift of picking the emotion of a Zoom room. But I'm going to go along this line that God is rocking all of your worlds right now. And so I'd like to pray. Why don't you close your eyes and just stop for a moment. We're not going anywhere. We're not going to breakout rooms yet. Stop and feel. How are you? Got troubles? Pray. Tell God what you're feeling. The liberating truth is he already knows. <laughs> it's not a surprise to him. He just wants to be in it with you. I find a few deep breaths. Push away the first couple of thoughts that come in. And then allow myself to feel is the way forward. I want to encourage you, just do it right now. If you're terrified, ask for God's help. We have the spirit of God who helps us to pray. He searches the deep things of our spirit.
and helps us to pray. Romans 8. How are you? And if you're fairly cheerful this morning, hey, sing a song of praise. You're all muted. No one can hear you. turn our hearts to the Lord and pray together. Father, we are overwhelmed yet again by your kindness. That you would invite people like us to come close to you as we are. God, we're so thankful for your grace, which welcomes us as we are, but refuses to leave us that way. We're so thankful for your grace where we find help in our hour of need. We're so thankful for your grace that enables us to give you praise when we're joyful in heart. God, I want to pray for us as a church this morning. I want to pray that you would give fresh revelation of your heart for us. The truth that you can't resist us. Your heart is full of compassion for us. Your feet are set to run to us. Lord, we, we want to be with you. That's the cry of our hearts this morning. We want to be with you. Thank you that you've made it possible. Thank you the more that it being possible You've issued the invitation. We love you, Lord. I want to very quickly recommend a book. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. Many of you will have read it. If you haven't, and what I've said to you today about not knowing how you are rang a bell, then you want to log on to an independent bookseller near you and get yourself a copy of something like this. Well worth reading. It's so fundamental to human life and to the Christian life that we're emotionally healthy, that we know how we are and that we go to God. 